Hey, hey, all you Arizona lovers. This is the Finding Arizona podcast, episode number 270. I am your host, Jose. Thank you so much for listening. Today's guest is a returning one. You might remember him as the farmer. I very much remember him because he gave us some seeds and I just I really enjoy having him with us. Please welcome Brian Monsenbacher back into the studio and he's come to represent an app called crop swap and then he's also here to tell us about his future plans to open up his own sustainable farm up in uh the northern parts of arizona so i hope that you guys enjoy this episode we have spent a lot of time making this happen but i want to take a very special moment right now just because i am filled with joy filled with love right now ladies and gentlemen on uh, January 13th of this year, of this month, um, my son was born at 11.31 a.m. I am so happy and filled with joy, and I want to introduce to you guys my new co-host. His name is Atlas Acevedo. I am very, very excited, and I hope that you guys will continue to join us, and that will lead us into our business side, which you can learn more about Atlas and his adventures and our new co-host at our website, FindingArizonaPodcast.com, and you can go check out the blog and the newsletter. The newsletter will give you more of the official side of what's coming up next, what we have down the road, any local events that we have highlighted. And the blog is a little bit more the personal touch of our lives. The blog will help you understand why we are doing decisions and making plans and, you know, having the baby uh, through the process of a Hopi baby naming ceremony. I will get into that more later down the road. But again, this is a fun time for Brittany and I. We are so blessed and so happy to have him a part of our lives. And it's only been a couple of days, so we're just so excited, filled with love. And we're new parents and we're just, you know, again, we are so elated that you guys are here joining us and we're so blessed to just have all of you a part of this community and we're very happy right now so let's get back into a little bit more of the official side of things i don't want to bog this down in anything too sappy or lovey-dovey we want to get straight into this episode so again go check out findingarizonapodcast.com last but not least if you go over to uh, patreon.com slash findingarizonapodcast there you can sign up for one of our tiers and then you will get bonus content in return i hope that you guys join us there there's a lot of new things coming down the road because we are going to be going to live streaming soon so you guys will be able to ask questions on a live stream to one of your favorite guests and we will be uh, letting you know about the schedule of that as soon as you can but what you can go do in the meantime is go to twitch gaming oh sorry twitch tv.com slash airs finding az gaming and there you will find us and you can follow us and we will set you up with podcasts some gaming videos along the way and yeah i'm very excited there's a lot of things going on i am very excited for this episode more particularly go check out crop swap it is very fantastic and go check out brian he is a fantastic farmer if you guys want to uh, connect with him everything is linked down below now let's get into this episode episode number 270 with brian munzenbacher i will see you on the next one
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Finding Arizona podcast. As always, we bring in very special guests every week, and today is no different. I want to say that this person is coming back to us. For those of you who remember him, he uh, he introduced us to the world of farming and the world of the farm culture. And um, I want to say thank you to him for coming back because, you know, just having people come back onto the show is just very exciting for us. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show, Brian M. Yay! <laughs> welcome back. Hi, Brian. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, so let's get into a little bit what we were talking about off off the microphone. Um, you know, last time we talked, you were at a, at a farm and yeah. your life has taken a bunch of turns. Uh, you know, you've gone to different places, even came back to the valley. Now you're going back to your roots. Yeah, I'm heading back up to Clarkdale. We're starting a brand new farm from scratch. Well, it's not completely from scratch. There's about a... <laughs> Uh, 200 f- established fruit trees there that yeah. I'm going to take over. And then we're going to start with about an acre of intensive vegetable production. Nice. Uh, five greenhouses. And we're going to, the the people who own the property, they want to do a permaculture style project. So mm-hmm. we're going to overlay it with a lot of educational components and, uh, nice. and see what we can do. Yeah. You have been an advocate for just, the the green thumb lifestyle and I, I have to say you know when we first met I told you this off air I was very inspired by you and just kind of your the way that you brought yourself into the the podcast I can tell you're an introvert first off I, you know that's yeah. fine secondly it just it meant more to me that you came you know you wanted to come on you wanted to share these things and you gave us seeds and all of that to put together it really touched me and and my wife. And we went out to go travel to Sedona and check out the farm that you had mentioned. Um, You know, I was honestly really inspired by just the level of knowledge that you had and the level of um, the way that you give your education and the way that you give knowledge to others. Has that something that always been interesting to you or is this something that you had to kind of build I really appreciate that. Um, It's something I've had to work on a lot. Um, But I've always, I guess I've had a knack for being able to talk about things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. And farming is definitely that. And so (laughs) anything that's farming or ag related, Mm -hmm. that really gets me going. It pulls me out of my shell a little bit. Yeah. And um, it's what I, it's what I enjoy talking about the most. And I can definitely tell that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So one of the things that you had brought to our table, um, you had talked about just kind of like, uh, I forget. I think it was a lot of the do with um, permaculture and what we got into with soils and things like that that go on. Can you give us a little bit of what your hopes, what your kind of what you anticipate as some of the workload that you are going to go into with this farm? So with this new project, this is really I guess the best way I could describe it is probably it's like my thesis project. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I like it. This one is, is all encompassing. We're overlaying it with pastured animals. Yeah. Full on regenerative practices where we're going to be doing hedgerows. We're going to be doing a full permaculture design on this, which is something that I've done bits and pieces of on other projects. But on this one, we're, we're going to be going full bore. Um, but that being said, we also want to function as a productive farm that is profitable and permaculture and that paradigm don't always match up. Yeah. 
So we're. Can you, can you, I'm going to pause you. Can you give us a little bit of an understanding why those two things butt up against each other and don't do well? Yeah. So permaculture is really a, it's involves this all encompassing way of thinking about nature. Mm. So when you're using permaculture principles, you're looking at how function how things stack stacking functions right so this does that it plays into this it flows into that and and then you come to this full circle kind of system Mm -hmm. and that's what's really appealing and romantic to people is oh you're coming full circle nothing's being wasted right yeah and that's great and when we can create those loops around the farm and what it ends up being is multiple loops rather than just one Mm-hmm. And and they it looks more like a pattern of loops overlapping each other than a yeah. circle. And generally systems that are efficient mm-hmm. and streamline the process so we don't have to have so many employees and so we can reach profitability and not have so many chores to do in a day where you're running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Yeah. Um, permaculture can involve a lot of chores and a lot of things like that that make the process less efficient and then can eat up your profitability because you're wasting a lot of time mm-hmm. by having so many chores to do, having so many processes that seem elegant, but when you step back from it are really not mm-hmm. that efficient. Mm-hmm. So what I'm attempting to do is bridge that gap, like definitely create loops come full circle with what we're doing, try to be as regenerative and have as little waste as possible. Yeah. But also be efficient and utilize lean practices. So that's something that I've really gotten into. Um, I read a book called the lean farmer. Hmm. So Ben Hartman, he's the author of the book. He's taken lean principles that were created by Toyota manufacturing. Yeah. They are the most efficient manufacturing company in the world in terms of vehicles. And they're the most profitable because they're efficient. Yeah. And he's taken these principles and applied them to farming. Sure. Okay. So the way that he does that is he identifies waste. Hmm. What's wasted time? What's a wasted step? What's waste across the board? And it doesn't actually have to be physical waste. It can be energetic waste, whether like the the mess of the farm is, even though it's sitting there not doing anything, it's wasted energy. Yeah. Because you're looking at it, you can't find what you need, mm-hmm. those types of things. Sure. And um, what we're attempting to do at Bent River Farms is be a full regenerative farm, permaculture style farm where we're actually leaving the land better than we found it, building soil, sequestering carbon, reversing climate change in the process of doing that. Yeah. But doing it in a way that's as efficient as possible so we can feasibly be a model where you don't need so many employees the barrier to entry is not so huge of mm-hmm. needing this huge staff and all these things. Yeah. You can utilize some of the technology that we have available to us and the natural systems of nature to achieve these things. And there's very few farms that I know of that are, that are fully doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some that are, that are getting really close and there's a lot of farms really doing great work. Yeah. And we'd like to, 
bring it even to the next level a yeah. little bit. Um, Farm 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that I want to unpack there. Sure. Um, one of the things that you had mentioned was the efficiency of the staff. What are you anticipating to be your staff load when you start? So when we start this farm, it's going to be myself and uh, my girlfriend, mm -hmm. and we're going to be doing it full time. That's going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> that's where we're going to start. Okay. And we're going to, there currently is, I believe, 200 fruit trees that are established, mm -hmm. full-size fruit trees. They're in full swing. That needs some restoration done. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take that under because I've cared for all of the orchards around the Sedona area yeah. at one point or another, Yeah, except for this one. This is kind of the last one. <laughs> You're going back to, <laughs> to, to finish and complete the map. Uh, but that in itself will be a, a big undertaking. Mm. And then we're going to do one acre of production and, and do one acre really well. Mm -hmm. There's 75 acres of land yeah. and we're not even going to scratch that at the beginning we're going to start with one acre do it really well streamline our systems mm -hmm. utilize market gardening techniques and some of the information that's available to us to kind of hit the ground running sure. with with systems that work and i anticipate by year two having to add one more employee gotcha so this is a process that yeah. is kind of a two-man team, and then we'll we'll expand forward from there and see what that what that entails. Yeah. The other thing that I'm interested in is this idea of you know bringing together different systems and different technologies to help you utilize and kind of really take this to another level. Can you give us some insight on the technology part? Because that's what fascinates me a lot of the times. You had mentioned the book, but is there anything technological-wise for farmers out there? I know from my own research as a landscape architect, there are more uh, instruments to tell you when rain is coming and when moisture is at a right. certain period and things like that. Are you utilizing those? I utilize some of those. Um a lot of the technology that's available to us as of right now, there's there's new apps, there's new tracking, mm -hmm. like you're talking about. But a lot of what's available to us that really makes a big difference on the farm are some of the new tools that are coming out sure. in the uh, market gardening realm. There's a lot of hand tools, believe it or not, that make things really efficient because <laughs> they work really well. Nice. Um, We'll, we'll be utilizing a lot of that. Mm -hmm. The areas where you really want to focus on getting really efficient on the farm is cultivation, so dealing with weeds. Gotcha, okay. And then pre-harvest, so making sure that your seedling area, your greenhouses are really dialed in with with some level of control with the environment. Yeah. Utilizing that kind of technology is, is a big deal because mm -hmm. when you're farming, you're gambling. So the more that you can increase your odds of success, yeah. the better. And, and technology can help you with that. So that involves tracking inside the greenhouse you can get automated uh, temperature controllers that will give you alerts on your phone when things get out of range sure that type of stuff is really helpful yeah um utilizing apps for tracking orders um creating invoices all of that kind of stuff to yeah. streamline the back end of it because yeah. that's generally where farmers are lacking is in that area so when we can utilize apps and different technology that streamline that stuff for us mm -hmm. then we can spend more time in the field where yeah. our um 
knowledge is really needed. Yeah. Can I ask you, how many farmers have you seen in your kind of professional background struggle with that point to service, like that person, like that from, like you said, the back end stuff with invoicing and things like that. How many farmers have you known struggle with this period, this a, section? A lot. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of them, um, there's a lot of farmers that are running cash businesses still, believe it or not, <laughs> oh um, you know, and, and really skating under the radar and, yeah. and not tracking anything too well at all, which can be of a benefit to you to an extent. But when you're really trying to build community, you're really trying to get a real farm going, you need to utilize online sales. Mm -hmm. That's where the world is going. And it's becoming more and more of a thing every day. Yeah. I mean, I didn't order groceries online ever until <laughs> yeah. this year. Until this year, yeah. And it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's, it's only, um, the, once you open Pandora's box, there's no closing it. And really having a combination of, of all of it, having some cash sales coming in, having online sales, having guaranteed sales through restaurants mm -hmm. and, and different distributor accounts is, is necessary. Sure. And then having the ability as a farmer to have so much abundance that you can give some stuff away for free is good for your spirit too. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you, you want to be able to do all of that. Yeah. And we're constantly seeking as farmers the efficiency. Yes, it makes us more money, but when you can become more efficient then you can carve a life out for yourself within this yeah. because it really is a lifestyle and getting Absolutely. into it, you have to know that and be able to embody it. But you do need to have time to do other things once in a while. You got to sure. take care of yourself. You got to have other hobbies. You got to have time for your family. <laughs> and when we can become more efficient and be rigid with how we manage our time on the farm and achieve the things we need to achieve, then you, you can get off at five o'clock and you can have a life yeah. or you can take a day off once in a while. Whereas if you don't have those basic things handled and you don't have a plan, you don't have a way of tracking things properly, you're going to end up running into problems and it's going to eat up the rest of your life mm -hmm. and you're not going to have any time to do anything else. Yeah. And be really stressed out. Can I ask you what you anticipate all right, I guess here because you said there was going to be 75 acres total. Yeah. Do you expect yourself to <laughs> I, I get excited when I have some extra stuff. Right. Do you anticipate yourself doing a little bit more like just checking on the soil and like caretaking that last like that 75 acre portion? Oh, de definitely. So the land that's not in production is still being cared for okay so we will cover crop it we'll pasture animals over it gotcha we'll use microbial inoculants to get the life and the biology going mm -hmm. in in that area of the farm and when i say we're under one acre of production it doesn't necessarily mean that we're farming the same one acre all the time ah so okay. we'll start with one acre and then I've got another one acre idle that I'm getting ready for when I want to use it. And then we'll cover crop the one that's in current production and, and yeah. flip over to the other one. Gotcha. Is that something that routinely happens for you now? Or is that something that kind of, I guess, is that something that's traditional in farming? 
It is and it isn't. So okay. crop rotation is really important to avoid erosion, to avoid imbalances in the soil. If you plant tomato in the same spot over and over again, you're going to get root knot nematode and it's going to be a real pain to get rid of. Yeah. Um, so knowing what to plant where and, and tracking that and knowing where stuff was is very important because you can run into some serious problems down the line if you don't do that. Yeah. And really, you're not being a proper steward of the land. Doing regenerative grazing of animals, cover cropping, all of that will actually leave the soil in better condition than you found it. Yeah. And that's really the new paradigm of where farming is headed and needs to be going is as farmers, we're not depleting the soil and leaning on industrial fertilizers, leaning on all this other stuff to get a crop. Yeah. Every year we're making the soil better and we're using less fertilizers, less pesticides, getting food that tastes better mm -hmm. because we're doing that little extra work up front. Yeah. So when this is kind of a, we're rewinding back to our first episode, when you left our home, we had a conversation outside and I remember it specifically. You had told me, yeah, man, we only have about like two, six years of the proper soil um, or six growing um, years of like that proper kind of like if you just wanted to use that same soil over and over again because of all the erosion and all the um, kind of clay and everything that kind of happens throughout us as humans using the soil and compacting it and all of these different things. Are you still on that same paradigm or do you have hope? There, There's hope and, and, and there was hope then, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but, of course. <laughs> but, um, there, there's a lot of different figures being thrown around in mm -hmm. terms of those numbers. Um, so I'm not entirely sure which one's the most accurate. Okay. But what's true is we are eroding our soil at a massive, massive rate with using industrial agriculture, specifically corn, soybeans, cotton, the GMO crops yeah. are uh, terrible in themselves, but the, the practices that are around them, the way we utilize tractors in that paradigm mm -hmm. really erodes the soil really quickly. We're loading that soil up with chemicals and it's, it's really leaving our earth in a really bad place. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, and the saddest part about it is the areas of the country where we do that are known to have some of the best topsoil in the country. Yeah. And we're, we're treating it that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's but, tough to hear sometimes. Yeah, but, but there are solutions like cover cropping, mm -hmm. pasturing animals the right way. Yeah. And, and there's more and more documentaries coming out about this stuff, like Kiss the Ground just came out okay. not that long ago. That one talks about it. Um, yeah. Biggest Little Farm talks a bit about it, but that's more of a permaculture movie. But mm. regenerative ag is really the solution to many of the problems we're facing. Okay. If we can farm our land in the right way where we're carbon positive mm -hmm. and we're adding carbon in and sequestering it, we can reverse climate change through doing that. We raise our water tables so people who use these practices will actually see springs start to come up on their property. Sweet. Um, it, it filters the water. It provides a diversity of life. And that diversity of life means that you have to use less pesticides. You're going to get more abundance out yeah. of your land. 
doing it, these methods. Dude, I'm excited for you. Like, honestly, the the amount of knowledge that you just have just from this conversation, I'm very excited for you. I know it's a lot of hard work, definitely. And I know it's it's not easy work either. It's backbreaking, you know, kind of like really get your hands in it kind of stuff. So but I am very excited for you because I know if anyone you're the guy like I, I have great, great, great you know experience with you and just kind of like. Honestly, I, I really am excited for you. So I'm going to ask you to kind of, you know, look at this 2020, um, sure. you know, the pandemic and everything. And people are being at home more. Yeah. Um, what we've started to see is a lot more people doing things at home that are really to do with, you know, themselves and their families and and really wanting to get back into being a, a, a home person. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is, you know, a lot more gardening and a lot more um, growing of vegetables and other plants and crops and things of that sort. From what I'd like to hear from you is, A, what tools or what recommendations could you provide for someone who is a little bit more experienced, first off, that has done the gardening, grown some stuff, now is time like it's winter time they probably don't have that many things they're going to wait until it gets a little bit warmer to probably plant some more mm. what education can you provide them first off then secondly what opinion do you have about home gardening that people haven't even heard of or like what is your experiencing with home like what's your experience with a home garden and things like that sort sure um so first off um in terms of what I can help people with home gardens with, I'm always happy to answer any questions. Sure. Yeah. So you can reach out to me on Instagram at earth underscore grower. People do it all the time. Awesome. Um, I'm happy to answer the questions. If I don't know the answer, I can definitely point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, because of how busy I am, I don't do as much consulting anymore. Okay. Um, but if it was the right project, I, I would consider, you know, coming out and taking a look. Oh, nice. Um, but because of how busy I've become, that that's harder. But I'm happy to always answer questions. We can hop on a Zoom call. That sure. kind of stuff is, is easy. Um, and I, I can definitely point you in the direction of, of other information, of really anything you'd want to learn about regarding, okay. regarding gardening. Yeah. Um, in terms of a home garden, the home garden is where it started for me. And the home garden is a really special place. There's so much magic there. When you get into doing larger scale agriculture, the magic's still there, don't get me wrong, yeah. but there's blinders up. You've got money, you've got investor money, you've got the taxes to pay, you got all this other stuff you gotta deal with yeah. now that takes a little bit of the magic out. It doesn't take it all. It takes some of it though. Yeah. And when you're in the home garden, you get to play and you get to experiment. You get to really just throw those seeds in there. And, and when you're first starting out, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You put them in there and, and, and you gamble a little bit. And when you win, man, you win big and it's fun. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, the, when someone asks me if they, they want to start a garden, right, mm -hmm. and they've never planted anything before, the, what I tell them to plant is a radish. 
Nice. A radish okay. is the easiest thing to plant when you're first starting out, and you, you'll get a radish that you can eat in about 22 days. It's quick, and the reason that I do that is because you can see it quickly. You can hit mm -hmm. success, lickety-split. Okay. And say someone wants, gets in and they want to grow a tomato plant, right? Mm -hmm. And you tell them to go plant a tomato from a seed. In between that and actually getting a tomato, there's a lot of room for error and oh, you could yeah. <laughs> you could really mess up and then you might not be excited about gardening anymore. Mm -hmm. So I generally don't recommend that type of thing at the beginning. Yeah. But, you know, planting something like a radish, getting some leafy greens in the ground and and plant seeds heavy. Don't be scared to plant them. You can always thin them. Yeah. As you have more odds of success when you do that. And when the best piece of advice I can give for any gardener, experienced mm -hmm. home gardener, farmer, keep a journal. Okay. It's the best thing you could do because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things that work tremendously as well. If you don't write them down or have some form of tracking this stuff, you're going to forget. Yeah. You're going to forget and then you're not going to know how to do it again or you're going to make the same mistakes again because you didn't know that you made them. Yeah. And being able to track things, really, the more that you do that, then you start to see the nuances of things. Mm -hmm. The more you keep a journal, for example, like people will ask me, what do I need to plant and when mm -hmm. in, a, in a certain region? That's a really common question that I get. What do I need to plant and when? Where? Yeah. And when and where? And... I can answer that to an extent, but every garden and every farm is in a completely different microclimate mm -hmm. with different weather, different light needs. And I don't know those things yeah. about your garden. Yeah. And you do, and you might not know them right away, but if you write them down and you observe it, mm -hmm. that's really the ticket. Step back and be the observer. Mm-hmm. Write down the things that you observe because more than likely they're going to end up being valuable to you nice. and will answer a lot of the questions you have down the line. Yeah. And that's the very best thing you can do in terms of like somewhere to start. If you don't know what to plant and when, go on to Farmer's Almanac and type in your, <laughs> your, area. <laughs> your area code and it'll, it'll give you a pretty decent place to start. Nice. But it, once you start keeping a journal, you can really hone in on specific dates for your region. Okay. And, you know, and something else that's really great is talk to your neighbors. If you have a neighbor who's an avid gardener that's in your area, mm -hmm. more than likely they have very specific dates where they plant things in your region sure. that are going to work the best for you that may differ from the ones you got online or from even what, from what I told you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... <That's> <laughs> I, I, you know what? I just like, again, I am always, I'm trying different things and right. new things. Right. And, uh, the one thing that I'm very excited about trying, um, too, is, uh, we talked about this off air too. Um, and I'm, I've always, you know, advocated and education and understanding of this particular plant is the, the marijuana plant and, yeah. and, you know, uh, prop 207 passed last year or yeah, this year, sorry. Um, and now you can start to grow your own, you know, your own plant. Yeah. Um, you can. And that's one thing that I'm interested in doing because, A, 
I'm just interested in planting in general because I have a garden. I'm interested in gardening. And um, this is like a new frontier for me. I'm I'm fascinated by this plant. And I've only heard good things or I've only heard positive things about this plant. Um, can you give for someone who's interested like myself, can you give me help for my very first marijuana plant? <laughs> sure, sure. So marijuana it's a it's a little bit different uh, I'll, I'll call it cannabis for cannabis the rest, yeah, for, let's for call the rest, it cannabis for the rest of the interview <laughs> yes i'm so sorry i don't know why i blanked on that name but yes um, the cannabis plant. no, no yeah, we're yeah. good we're good but uh cannabis is is quite easy mm -hmm. i mean all plants in a way are easy mm-hmm if you're able to step back and let the plant do the work, okay. the more that you try to force things with plants, the more mistakes you're going to make. Gotcha. You want to step back, be the observer, but also you want to understand the processes. Mm -hmm. So the more that you can understand the science of what's happening in the soil, how plants absorb nutrients, all of that type of stuff, then you can step back and you can be the observer, but you can be an educated person. Gotcha. And if and, there is a hiccup, you can be the caretaker that observes and right. understands. Right. And and having the right place to ask questions mm -hmm. is, is good as well. Um, and there will be plenty of people who are going to answer your questions but give you terrible advice. Yeah. That, that happens too. Yeah. Um, That's why I'm coming to you, man. I mean, for um, those of you who don't know, Ryan but, here has worked on a farm before. <laughs> but the... The best thing to do, and there's many ways you can grow any kind of plant. Yeah. I mean, generally across the board, if you're going to get cannabis from the dispensary, it's going to be grown using hydroponics. Gotcha. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, hydroponics still grows a great plant, but it's going to grow a plant that is lacking in certain things. Mm -hmm. it, it lacks in life, really. <laughs> and that life does so many things to plants that we're really just scratching the surface of what all of it actually does but we when you can compare two foods one that was grown in soil and one that was grown hydroponically Honic. what we do know is that food that's grown in soil has more mineral content gotcha and that's true of cannabis as well okay and mineral content in layman's terms equals flavor mm mineral content has to do with the terpene profile of the plant it has to do with a lot of different things okay and also pest resistance gotcha so the best place probably to start if you're going to grow a cannabis plant you've never grown one before i would go with soil okay because in soil you don't have to check ph you don't have to check ec and that that can be complicated and, and you yeah. end up with soil, you you can have less components to get going. Okay. And then the next option, so you're, you have soil or hydro, right? Mm -hmm. Those are our options. The next option is do you grow the thing outdoors or do you grow it indoors, yeah. right? And those are two completely different options. Mechanisms, yeah. And then you ask yourself, okay, indoor, outdoor, photo period or auto flower? I don't even know what that means. Right. So, <laughs> so auto flower, you can take that seed, you can stick it in the soil, you can water it and, and basically do little to nothing. Okay. If you, if you really care for it well, you can get better results mm -hmm. and it, it'll make a flower that doesn't have seeds in it. Oh, okay. And, and that's through 
breeding that they've created these types of seeds that can do that. Gotcha. That makes sense. uh, A photo period flower requires 12 hours of light Mm -hmm. and 12 hours of darkness in order to make flowers. Gotcha. So that would be in the flower period. In the vegetative period, they need 18 hours of light. Okay. So say you're just growing the plant, growing the plant, no flowers involved at Mm. this point. You need 18 hours of light Mm. for this thing to get as big as it's going to get. Okay. And then once you get the plant to the size where you want it, and it could be little or big, it's really your choice at that point. If you're in an industrial grow, of course, you're going as big Big as as possible. possible. (laughs) But if you're at home, you've got the option, right? Mm -hmm. And... What you would do is once it's gotten big enough, you would take that plant that was under 18 hours of light and now move it under 12 hours of light and 12 hours of darkness. And that tricks the plant's hormones to now start producing hormones for producing flowers. Mm, And that's kind of the key ticket there. Gotcha. You could take a really basic pre-mixed soil, give it pretty much just water, Mm-hmm. If the soil's good. Yeah. And stick to those principles, 18 hours of light for veg, mm-hmm. 12 hours of light for flower, and, and you're going to you're gonna get some flower. Okay. Right? Nice. But within that, there are so many nuances mm-hmm. in terms of trying to get your quality up. What, what point are you trying to hit, you yeah. know, at that point? Then you can hone in on it. Flavor. Yield is the big thing. Mm-hmm. If the industry standard at, for a dispensary grows, you need to be hitting two pounds per light that you have. That's that's, sta- that's standard. Yeah, and and a lot of novice growers they they can't do that. You yeah, know, that it's it requires a lot of practice and a lot of understanding of every single thing. Yeah. So when you're when you're growing indoors, you're God. You're you're creating every single thing that that plant needs mm-hmm. you the environment you are trying to create nature as much as possible and nature in the perfect <laughs> way for that plant in the stage of life that it's in yeah all the way through to the end okay and in doing that you can mess up a lot of things yeah. you know if you're not paying attention to the ac you're not paying attention to the dehumidifiers mm-hmm. you're not paying attention to the light spectrum soil moisture levels runoff, all these different oh, things, yeah. then you, you can have some serious problems. Yeah, some serious <laughs> issues. Yeah. And then if you do it that way you, and you don't, you know, pay attention to them, like you're doing it indoors, I mean, you just wasted all of the electricity and the lights huh. and everything setting up and exactly. all that. You know, so you, you really have to be on point indoors because the overhead cost is is really high. Yeah, you for know? sure. And if you're doing well, of course you can cover that. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, things go wrong really Real quickly. Quick. Yeah. Really, really quickly. Can I ask you one thing for the soil part? I know from my experience with other plants and shrubs and things like that, like a 50-50 blend of soil of natural where the ground and then a, a soil that you buy from the store. Like, is that still a component that would work? That's a good idea for outdoor gardening Mm -hmm. for indoor gardening. Not necessarily. Okay. I was just curious. But 
It depends. Okay. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. It depends um, your soil. On, but mm-hmm. the the best way I could describe it is there's different nutrients needed in the soil for different stages of growth. Gotcha. Okay. So generally there will be a base soil that has nutrients that will accommodate the small plant that you just put in mm-hmm. there. And then you'll top it up with a super soil that has more of the components needing for the stage of growth that it's in down the line yeah that makes sense um i was just curious because of my experience understanding that you know 50 50 blend tends to help the plant get naturalized to the end you know microclimate and the environment that it's being put in things like that definitely um let me ask you this because we are you know reaching we're Oh man, I don't. I could talk to you for. I just looked down. And it's like we're almost reaching the end here. Um, let's talk about crop swap a little bit before we go sure. to because that is another technology piece that you're bringing into the farm and the farm element and being an ambassador and things like that. So go ahead. Yeah, definitely. So crop swap is a direct to consumer farming application. Mm-hmm. So. It provide we're through crop swap we're able to give farmers the tools that they need to be able to streamline selling direct to consumers okay. through a CSA model or a customized box. Okay, right. So our mission is really to make it as simple as possible for anyone to get access to good quality food, okay. and to make it as easy as possible for the farmer to provide that to the customer. Yeah, and crop swap. We're working really hard to streamline this application so that it's easy for the grower to use it and it's easy for the consumer to use it. Mm -hmm. And the way that things are going in the world we're living in right now, online sales are everything. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's ordering off Instacart or Uber Eats or all these different things. And you can order, you can literally order a McDonald's coffee, have it delivered to your house. Why can't you get a bag of apples? Exactly. (laughs) And that's our question. That's what we're working towards. And um, right now it's, it's functioning in California, Richmond, Virginia, and we're bringing it to Arizona in a big, big, big way. And that's a big part of what my mission is this year is to onboard as many farms in the Phoenix area who are interested in using this mm-hmm. and um, getting them going. I'm here to assist them. Yeah. I'm here to give them the tools that they need. We're able to offer a lot of different marketing incentives as well. And down the line, we're going to be able to offer delivery direct to people's door through awesome. this application as well. We're, we're not quite there yet, but we're, we're working, working on, on it. it. That's good to hear. Um, so the the big thing that we're trying to do is bridge that gap, mm-hmm. make it easier for you to support local, make it easier for you to get the fresh stuff right to your house. Yeah. I mean, we're all, you know, experiencing this pandemic as well. We're sitting around at home. Yeah. You know, we want to make it as simple as possible Absolutely. for people to get access to really good stuff and then have a platform where they can flick through it just like on Instagram or Mm. Facebook and look at a farm's profile, see what we're about, see what we have to offer. Yeah. Order something right away and and make it really easy. Subscribe to a membership to the farm um, or singular sales. Yeah. And the farm that I'm building, uh, Bent River Farms up in Clarkdale, we're 
building crop swap into the infancy of the farm. So from the very beginning, we're, we're going to utilize yeah. it. That, that, those 200 fruit trees are going to go first. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and we want to be one of the first models in Arizona that's utilizing For the, sure. this type of application. There, there's other ones available. Um, you know, I'm not going to plug them. <laughs> Don't plug them. <laughs> but, We're only talking about crops. But honestly, Brian, but, like literally, if there is anything that I can do to introduce you to farmers or you yeah, know, connect def you definitely or, or network any, you. I want to do that. Any farmer who wants to talk to me about crop swap or about farming in general, send them my way. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I'm looking to, I have a whole list of farms that I'm going to start cold calling real soon here Sweet. in terms of uh, crop swap. And we're, we're going to be building the new farm up there in uh, Clarkdale, running crop swap through there. But definitely, I love networking with other farmers. Um, anyone who wants to reach out to me, I'm at earths underscore grower on mm -hmm. Instagram. Um, and definitely get at me. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, you already hit where I'm going to start asking you next is um, we're reaching the end here. And yeah. I really do appreciate you coming in. Honestly, it's good to see you again because yeah. last time we, we talked, I was just floored by who you were and just kind of your experience on the on the farmland. And even now, kind of like you coming back, it's just it's amazing to see you and where you're going. And um, I hope that I can get a chance to go up to the farm and, and check it out. Maybe uh, help you guys out just a little bit for a day. Yeah, <laughs> see how come, it goes. come on out. Anyone that wants to come out. Yeah, more than welcome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely come out, man. So this is the part where I kick it to you to let everyone know where they can find you. You said Earth Grower. Is there any other place, um, anything that you want to plug or let know people where they can go and search on the internets? Yeah, um, you can get at me at Earth Grower on Instagram. That's Earth underscore Grower. Um, you can get at me on LinkedIn. Uh, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, Meisenbacher, M-A-I-S-E-N-B-A-C-H-E-R. It's a long one, but uh, <laughs> you, you can find me on there. Those would probably be the two best. Yeah. Uh, if you want to shoot me an email, I'm at livefarmlove at okay. gmail. Um, but I'm always open to talk to other farmers, answer questions about gardening. If you want to get involved with crop swap, you want to come help at the farm, or you just want a bag of fruit, you know, give me... Give me a, a shout, shout out. out. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and with that, before we go, ladies and gentlemen, you can hear every episode of our podcast at FindingArizonaPodcast.com. Um, all of our social media is under Finding Arizona Podcast. And last but not least, if you want to become a super fan, you can do so at Patreon.com slash Finding Arizona Podcast, where we have some bonus content for you, like Brian's going to do right now. Next, after this podcast, we're going to go through 50 questions rapid fire with you. It's called Fine Examination that we do for our Patreon fans. Um, so get to know Brian a little bit more on the personal side on over there. And with that, we say good night to all of you listening. Good night to Brian here. Thank you again for coming in. And uh, we say goodbye to all of you. Bye, y'all.